Psalms, chapter 46 and verse 1. And if you don't believe that God knows how to orchestrate services and orchestrates moments, uh, Sister Audrey, who was the, the one responsible for getting all of our, our songs together today, tonight, had no idea what I was going to preach, and I had not even looked to see what song she was going to sing. But here's what Psalms 46, the first verse that I have written down in my notes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And I love that verse. I think that verse speaks volumes. But if you will allow me to take it a bit further than that, God is a present help in time of trouble. As you know, I am prone to do and I enjoy and like, I always want to bring the Bible alive. That I don't ever want to read the Bible in just its, its uh, dead, archaic uh, verbiage. I like to see the emotion. I like to see the players. I like to see how it all fits. And the Bible says in John chapter 11, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto Jesus. And so you have to remember that this was they, they were close friends. And so the sisters found out where Jesus was. And they said, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. That's one of those moments in the Bible that you got to think for, for a minute. He loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha so much that he stayed where he was for two days while Lazarus was dying. But the reason is for that, and this isn't my sermon, but I just want you to understand why. You got to go back to verse 4 that the glory, but for the glory of God, Jesus was about to let the glory of God show. And so Jesus said to them, I'm going to skip down to verse 14. Jesus said to the disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. They kind of thought they were going to get back there and, you know, there was going to be people waiting for him. It wasn't a great time to be a follower of Jesus during this this moment. Jesus came, found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Either Jesus stayed where he was for two days and then took two days in travel, or Lazarus was dead before Jesus even got on the journey. Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning her brother, and as Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him, Mary sat still in the house. And Martha said unto Jesus, and if you're one of those that's writing in your Bible, and I know that, that I've been talking about it, and I want you to. This is one of those things you need to write down. Mary said unto Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What Mary was doing was she was saying, Lord, I know you can take care of the past. 
I know you've done it before. If you would have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. There's not a chance. It just it wouldn't have happened that way. And so, Jesus, you could have taken care of the past. I believe that. But I know, verse 22, but I know that even now whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus said unto her, thy brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. First, Martha said, I know you were able to take care of the past. Now she's saying, Lord, you can take care of the future. I know that, that he's going to rise with you. I understand all of that. I, I, I get that. You know, we're, we're, there, there's going to come a day, no more heartaches, no more sickness, no more pain. We're going to rise in the rapture. Everything's going to be good. In order to put this story into perspective, let's place you in that story. Have you ever had a, a, an issue? Have you ever had a sickness? Have you ever had a problem that you're facing? And you get to that point where you say, God, I know you could have taken care of that. You're still living in the moment. You're still living in the situation. You're still living in the issue. But I know you could have taken care of that. And then you kind of acquiesce and you say, I know that all things work together for the good. And one day we'll be on streets of gold. And this little life that I lived for 70, 80, 90 years, you know, it has seemed just a speck of eternity. And so, God, I know you'll, it'll all happen in the future. What about the present? What about right now? right here <clears throat> and, and so we, we go on Jesus said I'm the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this and Martha said oh I believe you are the Christ the son of God which came into this world the Lord takes some time with Mary Mary has her own crises of faith that's going on finally you get to the shortest verse in the Bible Verse 35, and Jesus wept. They looked at him and said, oh, Jesus is weeping because he loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. And now Lazarus is dead and he weeps for him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind, could he have caused that even this man should not have died again? He could have taken care of the past. Jesus, therefore, groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave. A stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone, Martha. And the sister was, of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead four days. Jesus said, said I not unto thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I believe one of the reasons Jesus wept was because they could not see the very present help in front of them. Not the help of what could have done if he'd have been there earlier. Not the help of what's coming down in some eternity. But that their answer was right there. Psalms 46.1 again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You know the story. He stands to that open tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot and wrapped with grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Mary and Martha were looking for the past or looking toward the future, but God was a present help right then. Live the moment. I, I want to... 
take, I want to kind of deviate from the spiritual side for a moment and, and help you understand to live the moment. For all too often, we associate the phrase living the moment or living in the moment. We, we give it a negative connotation. We, we pull from, I guess, Aesop's fable, the grasshopper and the ant. The ant, you know, toiled and planned and, and, and made sure that he could gather enough food for when uh, uh, winter came. He would have enough food. But the grasshopper, we say, just live the moment. Happy go lucky, who cares, it's good. And then, of course, it began to snow and there was no food and the grasshopper didn't have any food. And so we apply this phrase, living in the moment, to people who don't plan ahead, who spend all of their money on today things and have none left at the twilight of their life. And there's some good truth to that. We, we've got some elders in our church that you're able to live now in a retired state because you planned accordingly in your life. And I think all of us ought to do that. In fact, today I went through my mail and I was opening up my mail and I got my retirement statement that I have and I can retire right now and live comfortably, comfortably for six months. I got all excited for a moment. Thought about it. Cash it out and live. Well, so we, we, we live in the moment. We, we, we think of living in the moment of some bohemian gypsy hippie lifestyle of flip a coin and just heads or tails and we'll just go wherever we want to go. It's stories like Ashley Ravel, who's actually a 32-year-old man from London. I think it was back in 2004 or whatever. But actually in 2003, and they did a, 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 a TV documentary or, or whatever on him but he sold everything he had and I'm telling you everything he had down to the only thing that was you know the clothes he was wearing on his body that was the only thing he sold and and it is a little sad he sold everything he had and got $135,000 for it and he took in 2004 he walked into Vegas with everything his life represented and he bought one chip worth $135,300. On a whim, he rented a tuxedo and he put that chip that represented everything he owned on the roulette wheel and he was going to double or nothing. If the little ball, when they spun it, if the little ball landed on red, he doubles. If it lands on black, he loses it all. One chance, one shot. And luckily, and that is the truest sense of that word. The ball slotted red. Everybody cheered. People watched in London, watched television. They celebrated. The press put a positive spin on the story, making Ashley a 15-minute hero that week. But he said it was a pretty mad thing to do. And we would say he lived in the moment. He didn't even think about what would happen if he lost it all. He didn't think about the burden he could place on himself uh, if he would not have won. And sometimes in life we tend to ignore potential problems later because we're living in the moment. That's what people say. In fact, the Bible tells us a little bit of that. The Bible says in Psalm 69.5, God, you know my foolishness. And I think sometimes we act foolish. However, I'd like to flip the coin a little bit and tell you that it is not bad to live in the moment properly. There's a newsletter I get, I get every once in a while, and my dad gets it, so sometimes he sends it to me by a man named Rick uh, Izell, 
And he told the story in his one-minute uplift newsletter of a university professor that was invited to speak at a military base in December. He was there and he met a soldier by the name of Ralph. Ralph was going to be his driver and take him away around. And they introduced themselves and as they were headed to baggage claim to pick up the professor's bags, Ralph kept disappearing. And he'd look around trying to figure out. And Ralph was over here helping some uh, little little you know elderly lady whose suitcase has fallen over. And then over here he helped pick up two toddlers that wanted to see a little better Santa Claus. And over here to give directions to someone was lost. And every time he came back, he's smiling. And that professor just kind of was watching him. Finally, the professor said, how did you learn to do that? Do what? Be so considerate, so helpful for others. And Ralph thought for a moment and he said, well, it happened during the war. See, I was in Vietnam War and, and my job was to clear minefields. And I've watched many of my friends as we cleared the minefields blow up right before my eyes. And so I learned to live between my steps, knowing that the next step might be my last so I learned to get everything I could out of the moment from when I picked my foot up to when I put my foot down. Every step I took was a whole new world and I've just been that way ever since. For the next little bit, I'm going to flip over to a little bit of psychology and, 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 and things like that because it's full of references of living the moment. Much of the science or even the art of psychology is and, and the healing aspect of why we go through counseling is to bring someone who's constantly living in the past and bring them to right now or to bring someone that's always looking to the future and bring them to the here and now. And lest you think I've lost my mind in psychobabble, give me a minute because we will end it right back in the Bible. But I just want you to hear me for a moment. You need to learn this year to live the moment. Many of you may have heard, and, and I don't recommend watching, seeing, going, anything like that, the Burning Man Festival in Nevada. Some 50,000 plus people every year descend there for eight days of radical self-expression, and it's probably about the most deboshed place you can go. But there's always stories that come out of that because there's just, it's crazy self-expression. And, and I was reading an article out of Psychology Today and they used this illustration. The author said that his friend went there and there, there's all sorts of art exhibits and just, you know, just anything you can imagine. And there in the middle of the desert was a phone booth. And their sign said, talk to God. And the idea was you walked in there, you picked up the phone and somebody uh, would would talk back to you and you just needed to assume it was God and so this friend did it he picked up the phone and God came on and I use that very loosely said uh, how can I help you <clears throat> the man said how can I live more in the moment and God said again very loosely God said breathe just breathe there's a few things this article that I begin to read came by and, and I, I have a little bit of a problem working through some of this because a lot of what uh, is said in this article was written by a Buddhist scholar and I'm not necessarily espousing the tenets of Buddhism across this pulpit but, but every once in a while somebody gets something right. The scholar B. Allen Wallace made this statement. He said we're living in a world that contributes in a major way to mental fragmentation, 
disintegration, distraction, and decoherence. We, we always are doing something and we never live the moment. When you're at work, you're wishing you were on vacation. When you're on vacation, you're worrying about the work that piles up on your desk and you're never in the moment. Another writer, a biomedical scientist uh, by the name of John Zabat Zinn made this statement. He said, many of us do not undertake our thoughts in awareness, but rather our thoughts control us. Ordinary thoughts course through our mind like a deafening waterfall. you got to learn to live the moment. And again, I know some Buddhist scholars said that and some scientists said that, but to be honest, the Lord said it through the inspired word of God long before any of this came about because 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 tells us we need to gird up the loins of our mind. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 that says we need to bring our thoughts into captivity. Don't just let your thoughts run amok and go crazy. In fact, the, again, and, and, and please, I hope you understand, I'm not preaching Buddhism, but Buddhism is built on, on self-awareness and meditation. And They have a phrase, and I kind of like it, especially for me. They, call, they say that we, we can't appreciate the living in the present because of our monkey minds. It's the thoughts that just swing from one tree to one tree to one tree. And that may not speak to you, but if you could see inside my head, that, 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 it, it describes it just absolutely perfectly. If I'm up here and, and you know, the ushers come up to take an offering, I'm so glad I remembered your name, Joey. It just made me feel good because I've forgotten many ushers' names. You ought to know why I do that? Because my mind's thinking about something that's not right there. I'm not in the moment. And so it is. How do you live in the moment? How do you how do you agree? Most people will tell you, I want to live in the moment. The problem is how. And there's a lot of things I could go on. I could tell you one of the things in the Psychology Today article, it said that first off, to, to improve your performance, stop thinking about it. Too many times we think too much about what we're doing that we get all just sidetracked on it and we don't just live in the moment. Just as Nike says, just do it. Some, uh, 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 in, the, in her memoir, Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote about a friend who, who whenever she sees a beautiful place, she would, she would say something along the lines of this, it's so beautiful here, I want to come back someday. And, and she was trying to say, but you're here now. Why are you worried about when you come back? Enjoy it now. Worry. Too many times we're trapped in the thoughts of the past or traps in the thoughts of the future that we forget to experience what's happening right now. We sip coffee and think it's not as good as what I had last week. We eat a cookie and this is how, again, this speaks to me if it don't speak to you. We eat a cookie and we say, I hope I don't run out of cookies. Moms, can I get an amen? You cook an elaborate supper and your children are not even through that supper asking you what they're having for breakfast tomorrow. Because we don't live in the moment. Because of that, we tend to be so stressed. Mark Twain said, I've known a great many troubles in life. Most of them never happened. 
the hallmark of depression and anxiety, and I'm quoting from this article, the hallmark of depression and, and, and anxiety is, is, a, is, is a catastrophe. It's worrying about something that has not happened yet and maybe will never happen. Worry by its very nature means you're thinking about the future. But if you'll quit thinking about the future for just a moment and realize what you have right now, you'll fear things. The flip side of worrying is, is, is ruminating and thinking bleakly about the things of the past. Worry is thinking about the future. Ruminating is dwelling on the things of the past and you can't change that. It's already happened. The old adage says you can't step into a, a moving stream twice, the same water twice. And I could go through others. They had things in here, uh, inhabit the presence, just breathe. If you want to make the most of time, lose track of it, just kind of flow. If something's bothering you, move toward it rather than away from it. And, and I could keep going on and on and on, but I see some of you glazing over and, you know, I've already turned into you know, the newest new age meditation self-help guru. And I don't practice much meditation. Uh, most of the time, if I did try to practice meditation, I'd be asleep. But we are working to the end of deer season, and I have sat many an hour in a deer stand. Plenty of time to think and sit, and it's the one place I don't understand. I mean, I, I can't, I could go fish and sit in the, I love to trout fish. I'll go down to Branson every once in a while, stand in, in the Tanicomo River, and I can stand in one spot in that river for hours and hours and hours and be perfectly happy. If you asked me to stand any other place for hours and hours, I'd lose my mind. But I have, I remember praying one time in the tree stand. I said, God, and, and well, first off, probably I prayed, Lord, please send me a big buck and help me shoot straight and all that. But I did say, God, I'm going to be kind of stuck here for a while. I got a whole, I got a couple hours of doing nothing but sitting in a tree stand. Would you just guide my thoughts for a while? Just direct my thoughts. And immediately, the verse that we've already read several times sprung to mind. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And then, of course, as God so ably does, he directs you another place. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees. And so God backed me up a little bit and quit looking at this verse just to say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, today, you know, he's, he's always going to be. And he just wanted to focus right there about the God of today. Not the God of yesterday, and that's important. Not the God of tomorrow, and I'm glad I've got a God that, that knows my tomorrows before they even happen. But don't get so caught up in trying to remember the past or worry about the future that you forget he is the God of today. We're pretty good at thinking of God as the God who has helped us in the past or is control of the past. We're, we're pretty good at at least verbally, verbally acknowledging that God is the God of our future. But when is the last time you placed God over your present moment? Jesus when, they, he, when, when the disciples said, teach us to pray, Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
It was reminiscent of the manna that fell from heaven for the children of Israel in the wilderness and we preach about it. But remember, they were not called to collect the manna for tomorrow, collect the manna for today, for right now. In fact, if you collected manna for tomorrow, it went bad. Worms showed up in it, it mildewed, it molded. But if you would learn that God said live the moment. I'm here right now. Don't wait till Sunday at church. Don't wait to youth congress or youth convention. Don't wait to men's conference or ladies conference. Understand he's the God of today. In order to live the moment, it requires faith. You had to believe that God would supply their need for food tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. The worries of today are sufficient enough, but God will take care of the tomorrows if you'll let him take care of today. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I got a sermon I'm working on, but I just, and, and you can kind of get an advanced understanding of it. Start getting your concordance and look at all the things God is rich in. Rich in love and mercy. The riches of glory. Jesus, his own words were full of this. His own words, he would, he, he would take time to uh, remind you that you need to live the moment. Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. I believe this is in the New Living Translation. I had it written in my Bible and I didn't, I mean I had it written in my notes and I didn't write what translation, but I believe it's the the New Living Translation. Someone called from the crowd when Jesus was sitting there and and, and teaching and and, and said, said, teacher, rabbi, would you please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me? They wanted Jesus to, you know, be the probate court. And Jesus said, friend, who made me to judge over you to decide such things as that? Then Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, for life is not measured by how much you own. And then he tells this this story. He said there was a man, a rich man, that had a great farm and it produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops, if I harvest all the crops, my barns aren't big enough. I don't have enough uh, place for it. And he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns and I'll have enough to store all my wheat and goods. Then I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you've stored enough for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool, you'll die this very night and then who will get everything you've Worked for. The King James says this, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall have those things which thou hast provided? This is not an attack on retirement savings and 401k. It's not a, an attack on planning for the future properly, but it was this understanding that you've got to live for today, make sure your life is right today. You don't got tomorrow. You don't have another chance, perhaps. You can't say tomorrow, I think, what was it, Felix? I believe when I have a convenient season, let me hear you again. I'll wait until Sunday. I remember getting the getting the Holy Ghost eight years old and 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 I was still pretty close to our 
our time where we had lived in De Quincey, Louisiana, and, and that was still very much home at, at eight years old in my life. I mean, that was where Mom and Papa was, and I wanted to go home. And I wanted to be baptized at De Quincey, and so I, I told my dad, I said, I want, I want to be, go back to De Quincey in the summer. I want to get baptized there, and you can baptize me. And I remember my grandmother looking at me and says, Brandon, what if God comes back before you get baptized? I was eight, and I wanted to get baptized, and so I did, but thank God for his grace. But she had a point. Live the moment. Live the moment. Jesus talked often about the moment. He goes on to say a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth but doesn't have a rich relationship with God. Verse 22 here of Luke chapter 12 and, and it's things that I preached in just very recently even back to this, this last Sunday and, and I can't escape it so we're going to revisit it. He turned to his disciples and he said this is why I tell you don't worry about everyday life whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear for life is more than food your body is more than clothing look at the ravens they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns but God feeds them and you're far more valuable than the birds can all your worries add a single moment to your life and if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that what use is it to worry over bigger things look at the lilies and how they grow they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Live the moment. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about those things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and He will give you everything you need. He said, don't be afraid, little flock. It gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to those in needs. It'll store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. For wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. I hope you're seeing that, that in this portion of, of Luke 12, I'm just, I'm just reading it verse by verse. Watch how it all fits together. He, he throws the parable of, of living in the moment. And then he talks about, you know, storing, don't store up treasures here on earth. But, and then he goes, and be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. As though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in when he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you a truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if the homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not prevent his, permit his house to be broken into. You must be ready at all time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And all of that diatribe of Jesus tells us, live the moment. I, I, I've I talked to, to several and, and I, I mean, I, I like looking at, at 
Bible prophecy and I love looking at Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation and trying to fit all of the, the, the timelines and trying to make it right but here's the problem if all you do is focus on what's coming you'll miss what's happening right now and you could die before any of that ever comes and then what does it do for you? Live the moment. Yes, I'm wor- I, I, not worried, but yes, I think about tomorrow. Yes, I plan for tomorrow. But the most important time you have right now is right now. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, also to eight, for you knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain and they empty themselves upon the earth, if a tree falls toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. And as thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who made them all. In the morning, sow the seed. And in the evening withhold not thine hand for you don't know whether it's going to prosper either this or that or whether they shall both be alike good. Behold the light is sweet and a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years rejoice with them all. Yet let him remember the days of darkness for there'll be many. All that cometh is vanity. Rejoice O young man in your youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart in the sight of thine eyes. But know that for all these things God will bring thee to judgment. If I could turn that paraphrase a little bit differently, I could say it this way. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. If you live to be very old, rejoice in every day of life. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Here's where I want, to, I want you to kind of begin to understand where I'm, I'm trying to say. When a tree falls... I know some say if it falls in the forest and no one's around, does it make a sound? I don't really know that answer yet. But I do know this. Wherever it falls, there it is. Your future is going to be determined where your present ends. Let me say that one more time. If you're worried about your future, you would be better off to, to acknowledge your present because your future starts where your present ends. Your future is predicated on the present. It's Luke chapter 23 where when Jesus was hanging on the cross and there were two on either side of him malefactors that railed against him. One saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. And it was a just this, this, this ignorant uh, you know, rebuke, and the other on the other side of the cross told the other guy, said, said, shut up, don't you fear God? Don't you know you're in the same condemnation? For we are justly accused. We, we deserve this punishment on the cross. We, we, re, we are going to receive the due reward of our deeds, but this one in the middle has done nothing wrong. And that man on the cross looked at Jesus in the hour and, and again I, I put myself in we talk about the agony that Jesus went through but he had two on either side that was going through the same agony and the one on the side of Jesus in his agony was able to have enough thought to say Lord remember me 
thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That malefactor's future was predicated on what he did right then. He could have worried about his future. He could have wondered where he was going to go. But he chose to do something today that affected his tomorrow. It's Zacchaeus in chapter 19 of Luke. When Jesus was passing through Jericho and Zacchaeus, one of the chief among the tax collectors, he was rich and he wanted to see who Jesus was and he couldn't because he was little of stature. He was short. So he ran and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. He got the little guy, he's holding on, he's looking, he can see Jesus passes by that way and he looks up and he sees him and he says, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. For today I must abide at thine house. Zacchaeus made haste, came down, received him joyfully. There were those that... that that murmured there were those that you know why in the world would Jesus eat with a tax collector but Jesus said this day salvation has come to your house don't worry about tomorrow it's today it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 and it's quoting from Old Testament but as he said I've heard thee in a time accepted and in a day of salvation have I succored thee behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation I'm telling each and every one of us learn to live the moment you can't change the past and the only way your future is going to be any different is if you do something different right now God is able and, and God has. We, we all have our testimonies of the past. And we all have our desires of what we want God to do in the future. But the God of today, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the same tomorrow, but he's the same today. And you need to get a hold of God today. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And so you learn to live the moment. Because if you don't, the moment passes by. If Zacchaeus on that tree said, you know, Jesus, I'm kind of comfortable here. And how about tomorrow? I'll come down and we'll meet tomorrow. But I'll put it in my calendar. I got, I got my little black book. We'll put it in my calendar. But Jesus said, no, today I've come to your house. The thief on the cross, if he'd have waited just a moment longer, the legs would have been broken, the lungs filling up with fluid from that act of torture on the, on the cross and the crucifixion. And he'd never been able to say what he needed to say right then. you got to live the moment. Would you stand with me? I can't tell you how to live your moment. I can just preach the Word of God. I don't know what moment you need to be in. I don't know where it's at. I don't know what, what moment you need to, to focus on. If it's a, a moment of God's direction, if it's a moment of God's salvation, but I am here today to tell you that He's here. And He came on a Wednesday night just for you. And He met you right where you are. Learn to live the moment. Would you just begin to lift your hands or close your eyes, whatever you are, are needing or comfortable to do. And would you just begin to talk to Him